Hello and welcome to the So What podcast, in which political economic analyst J.P. Lantman discusses the issues uppermost in the minds of South Africans. You can find a written version of this content on J.P.'s website, jplantman.co.za. I am Ruda Lantman and I am your host. These first few recordings were done at our dining room table, but we will soon be moving into a studio. Hello and welcome to a recording to go with JP's latest newsletter. It's dated the 19th of May 2023 and the title is Coalitions. I suppose it's unnecessary to ask why this is such a hot topic at the moment. <laughs> well, if Johannesburg elects its eighth mayor in about seven or eight years, and you look at the dysfunctionality of municipalities uh, all over the country, um, our experience of coalitions have not been a successful one, not at all. We've had coalitions since 2021, 2016 in Joburg, but 2021 in other parts of the country, and it hasn't been an happy experience. There's a lot of uh, volatility, uh, a lot of change in leadership all the time. And the bottom line, Ruda, is that the argument goes about who, not about how. It is just the different digits giving us two very different words and two very different outcomes. It's about who occupies position of power and not about how we're going to exercise power. And now we've got to have a national election in a year's time, in May 2024, 12 months from now, if the election is not postponed. And uh, a lot of people are filled with the anxiety that one party will not get 50% of the vote and that we will then be forced into coalitions at the national level. And that is why it's a pertinent issue. There's much excitement at the moment around the DA's moonshot pact and a series of small new parties starting up. If you look at the numbers, what do they tell you? Well, the numbers tell me that the DA will really have a hard time to get to 50% through a moonshot pact. There are 14 political parties currently in Parliament. Four parties, of which the DA is one, command 92.5% of the vote. The other 10 parties share 7.5%. So it's not that we don't have small parties in the South African politics or Parliament. We have them. They're just not that important. Now, the premise of the moonshot pact is that the DA can replace the ANC as the biggest single party. And that, I think, is wishful thinking. It is quite possible, it may happen, that the ANC drops below 50%. But it's very far from probable that they will drop to a level lower than the Democratic Alliance. Now, if you take the small parties in Parliament, uh, the parties making up that 7.5%, plus the IFP that the DA is talking to, you can get to a maximum, a really a big maximum of 40%. And that is not going to be a game changer. So I'm not, I'm not um, excited about the, the moonshot. When it comes to smaller political parties, just remember one statistic from the last election, the 2019 national, national elections. 48 political parties registered to participate. 14 made it into parliament. Four commanded 92.5% of the vote. 48, 14, 4. So uh, they are always in all elections in South Africa, new parties generating a lot of excitement, and in the end, they do not upset the apple cart. And I think it will take quite a huge shift in our politics for the DA to become the biggest party, 
and therefore for the moonshot to have a chance, and for any of the smaller parties to come in and, and upset, the, upset the apple cart. They can do well. They can get 4 or 5% of the vote, which is a good number for a party that's starting out. But it's not a number that determines power. What about the stay-away vote? That is the big uncertainty. Uh, you put your finger on it. The big question in our electoral politics is the millions of people who over the years have decided to withhold their vote and not to vote for any party. That is the big uncertainty. Will they this time in 2024 step up and vote? And if they step up and vote, who will they vote for? And we simply just don't know. We'll have, for the, we'll have to wait for the votes to be counted. But you do believe that it is possible for the ANC to actually make it, to get 50 plus one or a bit more. Well, I think we should not treat it as a foregone conclusion that they will drop below 50. I think that would be as reckless as saying that they will get 50. Um, why do I feel they have a chance to get 50%? Two factors. The first one is that load shedding is probably the single most important factor now in our national political life. People are really angry about it. People are really upset about it. Now, the research that we've done and which we've shared with clients, uh, proprietary work we've done, indicate quite clearly that enough renewable power will be installed over the next 18 to 24 months to alleviate load shedding substantially. You know, there's, there's uh, research out not by us, but by other people, that if as little as 5,000 megawatts of renewables are installed, you can cut load shedding by 60%. Now, our numbers indicate that we're going to get uh, 20,000 megawatts over the next two years. Now, the election is going to be in a year's time, not two years, so be aware of that. The point I'm trying to make is the more load shedding gets alleviated after this winter and the more it gets better, which in due course it will because new capacity is installed, the more the ANC will get the credit or there's a chance that the ANC will get the credit. They will also claim it, I'm sure. They will also claim it. So so that's the... Uh, now, there's, of course, a big irony at play here. Uh, all these projects that I'm talking about are being driven by the private sector. They're keen to get, to get the job done. They're keen to connect to the grid. They're keen to get the show on the road, so to speak. Uh, and the keener they are and the more successful they are, <laughs> the more the ANC will get the credit. It's, a, it's one of those ironies that play out in life. But I think that is something one must uh, be aware of. The second thing is simply the social grant system. At the moment, there are 10 million people in South Africa who receive 350 rand a month from the government. It's a social distress relief grant, the so-called SDR. This grant uh, goes, as I've said, to 10 million people. It was instituted during COVID, right? It was instituted uh, just during and just after COVID to try and alleviate COVID distress. It is scheduled to, to end at the end of March 2024. Now, the chances of that grant being terminated in March, which is two months before the election, must be absolutely null. I can't see that happening. What I can, can see happening is that the grant will be renamed. It won't be called the Social Distress Grant. It'll be called the Basic Income Grant or something. It'll be made permanent. It'll probably be increased a little bit within what the fiscus finds it can afford. Uh, and the government will, will say, look what we've done for you. We've given a permanent grant, permanent social relief to 10 million people. We've taken away the uncertainty that a grant may end and they even may increase it a bit. I think they will increase it. So that will have, uh, must have a huge impact. 
And um, many of those people may may be part of the stay away group, if I can call it that. Absolutely, and 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 that move may encourage them to actually go out, stand up, and vote, and then vote for the ANC again. It'll also solidify ANC support. Many people who are wavering will then say, okay, you know what, the party is looking after us, let's give our vote to them again. So I think these two factors can add up to pushing the ANC over the line. But of course, against that, you've got a couple of factors. You've got the anger about load shedding, which may carry on and, and, and keep on damaging the ANC. The ANC itself admits that it's damaging them. Secondly, there's the utter dysfunctionality at the municipal level, which is getting worse by the day potholes, sanitation works, water supply, that sort of thing. Uh, and thirdly, there is just the uh, ongoing reports on corruption. It keeps on dripping, 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 like 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 water dripping, dripping through the roof. And and I think, so where, where is the balance? Where is the balance? Will it be over 50 or below 50? I honestly don't know. None of us know. We will have to wait for the votes to be, to be counted again. Okay, so let's turn to the possibility that the ANC does not get 50 plus 1. What what do you think will happen? Um, What do we know of the major parties and the attitude to coalitions? Well, uh, in that sense, uh, April was a very, very interesting month because uh, the three big parties, the ANC, the DA and uh, the IFP, three of the four big parties, have shown their hands. And if I can just take them in sort of chronological order, on the 2nd of April, John Stearnason made his acceptance speech when he was re-elected as leader of the DA. It was a speech of 1,440-something words. He used the word values once. What he emphasized in the speech was not values, but who is excluded from his moonshot coalition. Not who, not so much who is included, but who is excluded. And he made two points very strongly. The first, what the, the first was that he's absolutely against the EFF. Okay, fine. And there's no news there. But then, secondly, he said that anybody, any organisation, any political party who has tethered themselves to the ANC will also not be welcome. Now, in my view, that is clearly painting uh, the DA and himself into a corner. By emphasizing those who are excluded and not those who can be included, you're limiting your space, your maneuverability. So so that was the DA. Not so much an emphasis on values, a very strong emphasis on who's in and who's out. Then a few days later, on the 8th of April, and maybe it was in response, I don't know, the IFP showed their hand. And Mr. Schlingwa, who is a chair of the Parliamentary Committee on, on Public Accounts, SCOPA, and a very strong IFP leader came out with a clear statement with five succinct values, emphasizing the importance of values, saying that IFP can't go with parties that they do not agree basic values on. And those five values are very straightforward. It's democracy, it's social equity, it's ethical leadership, um, really things that, that most South Africans certainly will be able to relate to. But then he made a second point. And the second point was the way in which parties conduct themselves in a run-up to the election in 12 months' time must be in such a way that you can include other people in a possible coalition. Should, that's the way he put it, should it happen that the electorate doesn't give one party 50% plus one. 
So not only was it emphasizing values and talking about values, which I think is a critical foundation, but it was always talk it was also talking process and how politics should be conducted. And I find those two pillars quite quite useful. Then a couple of days later, towards the end of April, the ANC uh, at the National Executive Committee meeting adopted a framework on local government coalitions. Um, it talks about local government coalitions. Presumably, the framework will also apply to, to a national uh, government coalition. And essentially, they made the same point as the IFP. They must agree on basic values, just as the EFP, IFP has said. They then listed 12 of those values. And again, it's, it's stuff that everybody can agree with. There's nothing there which is, which is objectionable. And they then listed a number of other principles as well. Important principles for a coalition. They've clearly given some thought to it. However, less than a week or so later, a new mayor was elected in Johannesburg, as I've said, the eighth mayor, and the ANC just basically ignored all those guidelines. So, yes, they do have a framework, but yes, they didn't apply the framework. Uh, and that tells us something about, about the ruling party. So, all three parties, all three major parties have shown their hand. And if you look at it and you assume for the moment that most DA members can go along with the values as articulated by the IFP and as articulated by the ANC, then it seems to me values is not a stumbling block. It is possible for the three main parties to, to come together. And that raises the very intriguing possibility that we can move into a politics where the three, what I want to call the three parties of the center, where they come together and form a grand coalition. At the end of the day, the differences between the DA, the IFP and the ANC are really not that fundamental. Yes, there are people in each party who hate people from the other party. There are people in each party who are ideological about certain points and they wouldn't like to go with other parties. Surely that's more true of the ANC. Uh, if you say the ANC agree about most values with the DA and the IFP, I don't think so. Not the whole of the ANC. No, not the whole of the ANC, but certainly majority. Certainly the majority. The, the ANC who accepted that framework and the values in that framework. The RET faction that supports a coalition of the EFF can be found in Gauteng and they can be found in KZN, but not necessarily in the rest of the party. So they are there, they are important, but I think you can undercut the KZN faction with an IFP coalition. And in Gauteng, well, in the end, numbers will talk. And I doubt whether they can get the numbers. So I think it's possible for the three parties of the center to come, to come together. This is a different kind of moonshot idea, huh? I think that's a real moonshot. Uh, what do we know about South Africans? We know that the majority of South Africans, three quarters at least, 80%, are not uh, radical in their outlook or, or the way they live and relate to other South Africans. They're not extremists. But our politics does not reflect that. Our political party makeup uh, does not reflect that. So uh, I think it's time for, I, th I think it's time for the central forces to come together. At the end of the day, the differences between the non-RET faction of the ANC, the IFP and the DA, the non-ideological part of the DA, are not, are not that big. And if the Germans can work together in a grand coalition, 
where there are very clear differences delineated between parties, I can't see why we can't do it. But if the ANC gets, say, 46 or 47 percent, and the IFP gets, what, five? Four or five percent. Four or five, then won't they just yes, yes, get together and, and run the country? Yes, I think that's what will happen. And then you can throw in a small party like Good, and you can probably throw in a small party like uh, Al Jamaa. They have consistently voted with the ANC in the lifetime of this parliament, the current parliament. So those f- small parties will come together with the IFP and ANC, and they'll have more than 50 percent. But the question, Ruda, we have to ask is, can the big problems of South Africa really be solved by a government that is supported by only 50, 51, 52 percent of the people? Don't we have a better chance of solving the problems of the country with a government that's supported by 70 percent of the citizens? And what are the big problems of the country? Well, it's it's the issues we know. It's poverty. It's unemployment, it's our education system, uh, it's housing. To summarize it in one sentence, it is to restore the dignity of all South Africans in their daily existence. Not just in theory, not just in terms of uh, access to, uh, to the right to vote or the, or the right to mobilize, all the rights that our constitution give us, but it's to fulfill the promise of the constitution that the dignity of all South Africans in their daily existence will be restored, or at least be installed. And I think that is a mammoth task. That is not something that one party can do on its own, not in a democracy. You can try to do it under dictatorship, but that's not where we are. So I think it is better to have a democracy supported by 70% of the people that can have this national goal of let's uplift all South Africans and that's why I think even if the ANC gets 51% of the vote, it may be better for everybody, the ANC included, to pursue a route of a 70-75% government with healthy dif- differences and so on between them, but not so healthy that you can't govern. That, I think, is a, is a possibility, and that you're quite right, that is the real moonshot. In summary, so what? Look, I think if you look at the mess with load shedding, you look at the stagnant economy, you look at the dysfunctionality of municipalities, you look at the potholes, you look at the general discontent of the population, then I think we run a real risk that the South African democracy will become delegitimized. And we see in several countries around the world where democracy is being delegitimized. We run that risk too uh, if we cannot fulfill the promise uh, of our constitution of a quarter of a century ago. And that's really what is at stake here. The failure not just of local government and particular departments and so on, but the failure to to live up to the promise of our constitution can delegitimize our, our constitutional project, our democracy project. In other words, that people simply think it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it. It's time to turn to some kind of a dictator. It's time to yield power to a populist to make all kinds of warm promises. Uh, developments that we see elsewhere in the world. That's the risk we run. And I think it's, it's, uh, it's a risk that can be avoided by having a strong 70% government in, in, in charge. Also, I think the country is in many ways now where it was in the 1980s. There are obviously differences, of course. We then had a semi-civil war. We don't have that now. We then had apartheid. We don't have that now. 
uh, we then have a huge degree of repression. We don't have that now. Yes, there are obvious differences. What are the similarities? Well, the similarities is a stagnant economy, huge poverty and deprivation, a politics that is stagnant and not bringing hope to people. Those are the similarities of the 80s. And what happened in the 80s? We now know that today. We've got the benefit of hindsight. What we got was a political initiative that unlocked what we had in South Africa and we moved towards a democracy. And I think we need a similar kind of initiative that bring together the parties of the center to form a government that is supported by 70, 75% of the people. You're surely leaving us with much food for thought. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the So What podcast. If you enjoy this content, please don't forget to leave a review and a rating, and please consider subscribing so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, tell your friends. Remember, you can find a written version of all JP's content at jplandman.co.za.